Hey everyone, Scott here, back for another week at Casey Greats. You ever run into somebody who you just know is going to be interesting? Uh, you, you can't really put your finger on it at first, but you're drawn in and you just really want to know more about their story. That's a great way to describe this week's guest, John Kreisbergs. I can't even remember how I stumbled upon John's profile online, but for some reason, just grabbed me that he's going to be an interesting guy. Thankfully, John was really open to having a chat when I contacted him out of the blue, and I think you get an interesting show out of it. He's a great guy with great perspective on Kansas City and a lot of the things going on here. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as I enjoy getting to know yet another interesting part of Kansas City. Folks, this is Scott back for another week of Casey Greats. I'm here with a new friend, uh, John Kreisbergs, and we're at uh, his place of work, uh, Propaganda Three, which is uh, you guys are kind of a digital media marketing type place, or it's changed. I don't describe it very well. Well, it's you know it's it's interesting. It's changed you know over the years. Um, I've been with Propaganda Three almost uh, four years now, um, but. Uh, historically, they've been doing digital production for advertising agencies and in-house marketing departments. Uh, folks who didn't necessarily have those resources in-house that we um, can bring uh, a level of expertise and production to bear on their work. Cool. Much better explanation than I can, <laughs> that I can make it. So, John, uh, tell us a little. Uh, you're essentially a native of Kansas City, right? Grew up here? For the most part, you know, born in Chicago, but my family moved here when I was about 11 months old and settled north of the river. Um, so I have um, my old, I have two older brothers and uh, who grew up more in Chicago. Um, so I have a lot of family back there, but yeah, Kansas City's home for, for the most part. Yeah. So it's an easy place to love, isn't it? It is. You know, um, it's, uh, it's a place I've seen change quite a bit, you know, over my lifetime. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, maybe a little slower sometimes than uh, than we'd like to see it change, but certainly moving in a very interesting direction right now. Absolutely. Now you're kind of uh, you're kind of on the to me on the on the edge of some of that change on some of the more some of the exciting stuff we do around here. Tell us a little bit about what what you do, not just your role here, but in general. You know. uh, I like to if when pressed, I like to consider myself and kind of say that I'm. Uh, one of the biggest cheerleaders for Kansas City, you know? I I, I, I believe in this town a lot, and I believe in um, specifically in the creativity that exists in this town. Um, that's always been a big part of, of my life. Um, growing up, it was about, um, for me, music. Um, that, was, that was, you know, through uh, uh, high school, going into college, and even beyond that, um, very much uh, into into creativity and being surrounded by creative minds has always been um, so invigorating for me. Um, moving back to Kansas City, I knew I wanted to be in a creative industry, so I, I just kind of aimed for advertising and marketing, and uh, just to see what sort of trouble I could get myself <laughs> into. And it's been a it's been a fascinating ride for the last. Uh, well, I've been back in town now for about sixteen, seventeen years after college. Okay, uh, and. Um, you know, just trying to find ways to just amplify what's what's happening here. You know, and we, I, I've learned a little bit lately as well, we've got a better base on that advertising and marketing industry than people realize here. I mean, 
you typically think of the old school, San Francisco, New York, and new school of Austin, but I think a lot of people don't understand the base that we do have here. Would you agree with that? Or? Absolutely. Um, I think it's one of, uh, as an industry, one of our best kept secrets. Huh. Um, I think what's different is that we're not uh, dominated by um, any of the big players that are out of town. Mm-hmm. When you think about New York, when you think in Austin and Chicago, you think about um, the Leo Burnett's of the world, the Omnicon agencies. GSDNM, stuff like that. The w- big players. Right. All those folks that are either... Um, large agencies or owned by large uh, conglomerates. Um, Kansas City uh, historically has always been fiercely independent when it comes to its agencies and uh, kind of fits the profile for who we are and what we do. I think there's only a handful of shops even now that are part of larger um, um, organizations, but even as being part of those larger organizations, have an identity very much of their own kind of kept things at arm's length as far as you know we may be funded but we're still fairly independent absolutely so yeah. for example the the where i got uh, when i came back into kansas city in 1999 i started at bernstein rain one of the oldest independent advertising agencies in the country right i think they're uh i think they're they're approaching 50 years or they're getting oh, wow. close you know uh, located down there on the plaza fantastic sort of uh, dive into the deep end of the pool of marketing and advertising for somebody who came out with a with a uh, master's in musicology. So right, <laughs> a strangest sort of mix in the world. So um, a wonderful place, you know. Bob Bernstein and that family, you know, um, and Skip Rain and his family um, built something remarkable in Kansas City. After that, it was you know spending time at Barclay, which is again another fiercely independent uh, advertising agency, still independent. Uh, spent time at VML, which is now you know one of those conglomerates, part of those conglomerates. But that identity is very much they have a Kansas very strong. City, Kansas City uh, identity uh, for being a global presence. Um, so I think when you look at the the larger picture of advertising and marketing in Kansas City, it is an incredibly uh, diverse and robust uh, uh, creative uh, uh, group, and the individuals are just as um, Interesting, kooky, as you would expect anybody to be in a creative industry, uh, doing remarkable work. And I think it is, it's is—it's—it's almost a crime how quiet that sometimes, you know, how under the radar they are. That's a, that's a funny mix with kind of a Midwestern attitude and humility, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm guessing a lot of people don't always think of creatives mm-hmm. when you're thinking in the Midwest, right? We're a little more subdued and... So... Uh, to, well, to talk about you know Kansas City, yeah, sometimes it doesn't um, get doesn't have that reputation, right? Yeah. But let's look at um, Hallmark Cards. Oh as, wow. as as a company, one of the largest outside of Disney, one of the largest creative studios at one time in the world. Fascinating. Based right here right in here. Kansas. Uh, another one. Um, when you start thinking about um, AMC theaters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Working within the film industry, granted, you know, it's a movie theater company, well, but still, based in Kansas City, one of the largest movie theater companies, you know, based here in Kansas City. Um, you start to look at um, those types of things, and you realize, literally, creativity has always lived here. Um, and one of my favorite stories is uh, one of my favorite sort of entrepreneurial failure stories it goes back to Walt Disney. Walt Disney's first studio was seen there on 31st and Forest. No kidding. Laughogram Studios. I had no idea. I'm and, not that uh, well-versed in, in that history. Oh, it's, 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 it's amazing. It some of his first commissions to do these um, short films 
And that's where, you know, he found Mickey Mouse, literally a mouse, in the field behind that office. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's where he got his start. And the great thing about it is, as an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial story, he failed spectacularly. He went bankrupt. And then he bought a ticket out to the West Coast. And uh, as, as I recall, I think the story went a little better after yeah. that. Yeah, it turned around a little bit, didn't it? So... It, we don't get the credit that we deserve sometimes, you know. Um, Andrews McMeal Universal, one of the largest uh, syndicators of comics for newspapers across the country. Okay. If you like Peanuts and Dilbert and Kathy and all those cartoons and stuff like that, they're the ones who syndicate that. Also publish books and all these things. So, um, again, we don't tell our own story well. So, we have, because of things like that and the newer stuff that's happening in town, we have just a, a fantastic um, opportunities for collaboration. And what I've experienced from folks is that people are generally more open to it. You know, even technically competitors, a lot of times, they'll have a, a cup of coffee or a beer to talk over things sometimes. And yeah. that seems unique to us. Uh, well, because I've always looked at it from the perspective that there's always enough to go around. Okay. Yeah. Nobody does the exact same things as anybody else in Kansas City. Um, it's funny, for Propaganda 3, we've been around for 15, 16 years. So we've been doing web work for a while. Yeah. You know, we got into mobile apps when mobile apps were young. Um, but when you think about that in, this, in, the, in the sense of being a digital production shop, you know, going back to uh, 2000, that's kind of going back to the early days yeah. of the web. You know, blinking marquee tags and <laughs> scroll text and, you know, programming stuff in straight up HTML, you know. Um, I can't tell you how many times, though, in the last few years, we sit down with um, with our colleagues over at places like Click Farm or uh, Code Koalas or uh, Crema Lab who do amazing work, and we all do the same type of work. We actually refer work to each other. We kind of go, you know what? We could do this, but we know guys who will do this better. Yeah. Let us make you the introduction to them. They do the same thing for us. And that's a great attitude. It lets people uh, not... It lets you really hone your expertise where you want to go. Because somebody else will take on the other stuff. You don't have to be a one-size-fits-all. Well, the other part about it is doing right by the people that you yeah. work with or work for. And uh, I, would rather, um, I would rather see somebody succeed because they got the right person at the right time doing the right job than to sit there and muddle through and fail for somebody and commit what I you know, call marketing malpractice. <laughs> Uh, just because of my ego. Yeah. It's not worth it. Um, That's a great point. At the end of the day, I mean, I look at Cello and what he's built with Propaganda 3, you know, Marcelo Vergara, who's our founder. He's done it by dealing with people straight, saying what he can do, what he will do, and by sometimes turning away business. And um, that sort of honesty, I think, is also a Midwestern yeah. thing, is a Kansas City thing. It's a thing. wonderful trait. I, I, you know, um, that's what's... Um, that's one of the things I love about this town, too. Cool. So I always wonder, with folks that are really entrenched in, in their industry um, here in town, mm -hmm. we have a lot of great things going for us, like we just talked about. I always wonder what we need, what that next step is to, to keep Kansas City moving forward in the right direction. What do you, what do you think that is? You know, I think, what, I think it's really interesting to watch um, the rise of the entrepreneurial community here and the mm -hmm. digital uh, community here. Um, been seeing that happen for a while, but it seems like a lot more attention has been paid to it uh, or more activity generated 
you know, when we start to look at some of the things that have been happening with regards to high-speed internet, um, uh, the um, investment and reinvigoration of downtown Kansas City, I think those are um, things that I saw, um, especially on the downtown revitalization, as I was getting ready to leave high school and go into college. So I, I, I missed the early part of it by being away for, you know, for school, mm-hmm. but I certainly saw what was happening. And transforming downtown into uh, away from a place of these open uh, warehouses and crumbling buildings to a place where people want to come and spend time. Yeah, you know, we saw the great spread uh, of of the city, you know, out to the suburbs, and now we're seeing the attention being paid back to the center, realizing that if the crown jewel is really nice and shiny, then everybody else gets the benefit of that. That's a good way to put it. I like that. And I think that's been the most important thing, and we continue to do that. Now, you can argue whether or not that's, um, whether the mechanisms that are in place literally since the late 90s are still needed. You know, Mm -hmm. I go back and forth when I start to see things about TIFFs and all the other stuff. You know, I have my own, my beef with that, but I I think there needs to probably be a certain amount of that thumb on the scale to make things keep going. Yeah, it's an interesting balance. I got to talk with a, a guy a few weeks ago who is a development lawyer and has worked with a lot of organizations that really do want to be located, you know, in the heart of the city. And there are a lot more things he brought up that I had never thought about. Everything from, you know, like you said, incentive plans to uh, potential gentrification of areas. Sure. Um, and one of the strengths of our city and one of the challenges is diversity. Mm-hmm. We are a diverse city, but we're also still very separated in ways. And tying certain historical areas together um, to maybe prevent the gentrification, but still move those areas forward with the rest of the city. Those are tough things to do. It's difficult, and it's been a historically uh, challenging uh, thing for us to, to really get our heads wrapped around. You know, we see the benefit of high-speed internet, right? That's mm-hmm. been the biggest thing that we've been talking about for the last two or three years in Kansas City. Um, and we see the benefit of infrastructure improvements like the streetcar, which recently celebrated a million riders, which is crazy to in think what, about. what, two, three months? Right. <laughs> and and we're actually going against the, the trend of streetcars huh. because there's been enough that have gone into other cities that, I mean, I remember reading all the articles of how they failed in ridership, never got anywhere near. Kansas City... No, we got it. We, we got it and we took advantage of it and we continue to take advantage of it. They're already talking about the extensions of it. And I think it also had the benefit of hitting at the right time. Let's, let's, you, can't, you can't ignore the royals. You can't yeah, ignore I those things that really draw attention to the city. That was fantastic timing. You, we, we take 800,000 people down here on one day and then the next summer, bam, we bring this, we bring them back. Right, and they see, and they see when they were down here. And for some of those folks, that might have been the first time they came to downtown Kansas City for in months, yeah, maybe even years. And they see, boy, it'd be so convenient if. Well, it just so happens. <laughs> and they see, you know, the restaurants and all this other sort of stuff. Again, show me state at work, right? Absolutely. Let me see what's going on. Absolutely. Um, all these different things, but going back to what you talked about there, that divide, it's very much present. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done on it. And I think that's the part where we have to make sure that we're doing right by everybody. And that's that's going to be difficult. For every TIF that goes into place, you're looking at a 20 to 25-year uh, diversion of potential tax revenue going out to uh, the Kansas City, Missouri School District, which could use it. 
Amen. Kansas City Public Library, that. all those different places right. um, that that could benefit from that revenue. So we, I think we have to be very careful now. We will hit this really interesting tipping point where I think downtown will be a sustainable and attractive destination. Um, but let's not do that at, you know, and sacrifice the people who live down here and work down here and people who have, you know, have children going to school here. Um, because ultimately, um, if every, you know, if, if we, if we make it succeed for everybody, then it's going to be a lasting change, not just a, boy, wasn't that cool back in the <laughs> mid 2010s. Yeah. Remember how cool Kansas a, City was? Then? That was a nice run. Yeah. We don't want to say that. No, that's not that's not it. And I think it takes a concerted effort. And he got a, a friend of mine who lives up in uh, in Lincoln. Um, he has he does a hashtag on every time he talks about things that are happening in Lincoln. He calls "Bang the Drum," just keep banging the drum and making sure people I like hear that. it. Yeah, keep spreading the word. Right, that's cool. Well, John, I'm curious. After looking at some of your online stuff, it looks like you've got some really unique projects that that you work on. Not only with Propaganda Three, but you kind of have a subset. Uh, of propaganda three, don't you? Kind of, kind of kid focused. Yeah, we, we did. So, part of our business model, and well, the, the first part of this, it's my inability to stay focused on anything at any one given time. I like to have my hands in lots of different things, uh, a lot of different interests. Um, it's been an interesting evolution to the business model for propaganda three. I've known uh, Cello for for at least uh, um, eight years now, and have had the pleasure of working uh, working with him. Uh, for the last, uh, like I said, almost four years. And that production model is changing, right? Mm -hmm. You see a lot more opportunity for uh, companies to hire their own digital talent. Um, also, a little bit of the commoditization of, of digital in the sense of what's needed to make it happen. The tools are a lot cheaper now. You know, you have... Um, freeware that exists that we could all use if you wanted to stand up a website you could do it you probably you know wow. five seconds get you can a, take a udacity course to learn the basics of development if you wanted to I mean, or you could just plop down yeah. 15 bucks and go set up a squarespace website in about a half hour well, so there's that <laughs> you know so it always it's right. come down to the business model of digital production is you know my my brother's nephews cousins you know little sister operates a web shop out of her garage and she said she could do it for blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that's kind of where it's going. So we, we, we look at that and say it's not it's going to be a slow sort of uh, march towards... Uh, it feels like a race to the bottom. It's a price thing. It's certainly yeah. a price part and, and sort of people not really being interested in the, in the expertise. So we are making this pivot towards being more product focused. Um, Kid Rocket Studios is the, the first venture that, we, uh, that we've done that with, that, and that we've been around for about two years now. And that came out of a really interesting place of um, a, a kid's interactive comic that a, a, a friend of uh, ours had brought to us and said, um, there's this thing called the iPad now, and I've been trying to get this book published for 10 years. Can we publish it on this? And we were like, yeah. Why not? Sure. We've never done that before, but if you're willing to work with us, we'll work with you and we'll take it on as kind of a labor of love. Great opportunity. It was. You know, something new and different. It invigorates the developers and the designers here too because then they get out of their heads of the typical stuff that they normally do and it becomes kind of a passion project for them. And um, that uh, was, we didn't know exactly what we were getting into. We kind of uh, took a swing at it two or three times, started over because we just didn't like where it was going. 
And then about 2013, May of 2013, released a comic uh, uh, app into the uh, into iTunes. And uh, crazy thing happened. We got this little review from a from a blogger in the UK who likes to write about kids' apps. And he said we were marvelous and all these wonderful <laughs> things. And did a video review. We're like, oh, that's really nice, man. And we hadn't done anything to promote the thing yet. I mean... It was literally like the day after we had released it to the store, and I hadn't got a, a press release or anything like that out. Two days later, we see this article come out in The Guardian out of London. Wow. And naming the app as one of the 20 best apps of the week in The Guardian. And, <laughs> and it turns out the person who writes that little kid's uh, app blog is one of the lead tech writers for The Guardian. How and he blew us up. And he just blew us oh, up. Oh, wow. So we go through you know, a month of about 16,000 downloads a day, and we realize that the story that my uh, partner, Jason, couldn't get published because nobody wasn't sure, 100% sure if kids would like it, had taken off because guess what? Kids liked it. And so what Kid Rocket Studios kind of stumbled onto was we have an interesting model here that we... Uh, can take a property or an idea and validate it with a digital um, release, gain an audience, a platform for it, yeah. and then to see if we can use that for leverage to bring it back into, into traditional channels. Yeah, you can publish a book, a comic, or traditionally versus straight online. Right. Interesting. So since then, we've had almost uh, a half million downloads of the app, iOS only. We just released to Android earlier this year. And then we were able to, uh, as we were going to take one, sort of one last run out, and he goes, well, I really still want to see this like a book. And we're like, okay. So we, we kind of polished up the book pitch, and then we added another page or two to it, talking about, well, this is how many kids have downloaded, and this is the countries they're from, and this is what the reviewers have said about the app. And uh, I took it to a friend over at Andrews McMeal um, just to say, hey, can you look at this book pitch? Does this look like a book pitch to you? Does this, <laughs> does this read right? Yeah. And she emailed me back, and she goes, uh, yeah, why don't you guys come in? I, we can, I can coach you through some of the things on there. Um, she goes, I think this is about not, better than 90% of the stuff I receive. I said, okay. So we kind of amble into the office you know, on a, uh, during the week and, and, and sit down. She goes, well, hey, I've got notes for you on this. But before we go into that, I just want to let you know we want to publish the book. <laughs> what? Perfect. And, and, and I think Jason's jaw just hit the floor because this is something he's been wanting to do for 12 years he started writing this book when his his son was born and his uh, son's now you know i think a junior or no a freshman in high school now <laughs> and uh so yeah so we over the three years we completed the story on the comic on the digital comic and then jumped right into book production so we have the book coming out here in march of next year from andrews mcneil uh and we're doing a mashup and there's going to be some tech uh app activations of the book and it's uh so yeah, that's Kid Rocket is a way of looking at the talent that we have sitting on the walls here and using them in a different way. What a great end-to-end um, -end story of the integration of really the the whole world with digital media nowadays. I mean, and kids and how kids look at yeah, this stuff. You're in Kansas City, but it started halfway around the world. Yeah, is where the fire started, and it, and it came straight back to you. That's really cool. So what what is the, if you can, what, what is the app and the book called? So it's so it's called Kung Fu Robot, nice. uh, The Adventures of Kung Fu Robot. And this first one is How to Make a Peanut Butter, Jelly, and Kung Fu Sandwich. <laughs> I love it. And it's about a nine-foot-tall red robot, his nine-year-old uh, sidekick, 
Um, they have an arch nemesis called Kung Pao Chicken. <laughs> and and the way Jason's always described it, uh, Jason Bays, he's, and he's also somebody I've worked with in the advertising industry back at Bernstein Ray. So, again. Kansas City guy? Kansas City Wonderful. guy, creative community, small community. Uh, the way Jason describes it, he goes, Kung Fu Robot is kind of the, uh, the protector of all the things that are cool and awesome and innocent about childhood. So we don't, the humor is very much aimed at kids. There's, I have nothing against those sort of cartoons that kind of have that dual Edge. audience. That's, yeah. that's, I enjoy that. But he really wanted to create something that was really for kids. So none of the double entendres and stuff like that. Cool. A lot of puns, a lot of strange kind of, you know, jokey, you know, sort of things. And situational sort of humor. And uh, that was the most important thing for him was to make sure that it was something uh, that was really, really appropriate for the kids. Because I think that's something that we've also lost a little bit. Well, too. I've watched, uh, you know, <clears throat> my boy's 11. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> The differences between what an 11-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl really amaze me. Sure. But that's exactly the type of stuff that he gravitates toward. They've got, good grief, I'm trying to remember. They've got things called an Origami Yoda series. Right, right. And it's all about things like that. Very pun. Yeah, and I like that that particular one. My son's read that one as well. I like that because there's a very positive message in that. Mm Because it's talking about having the right friends, having diversity in friends, about how to deal with bullying. Yeah. All those different things. And to me, that's yeah. that's that's great. You know, I have nothing against, like, um, the, the cartoons like um, SpongeBob SquarePants or the ones <laughs> that my, my kids like to watch right now, Gravity Falls. They're funny. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely funny. But it has that double-edged humor. Every once in a while, there's that moment where they're like, they look at me like, I don't get that reference. I'm like, I can't explain that yeah. reference. It's a good thing you don't get yeah, it. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's the thing we didn't want it. We didn't want We felt there was plenty of that out there. Sure. And Jason's kind of kept it to that. So here we are now. We have a this interesting sort of model and process that we've created, and we want to see, we believe that we that's an, another opportunity to amplify creativity in Kansas City. So we've had other authors come to us. Jason's working on, uh, I think he's already working on, Pitch number three for a book. Uh, number two is under review, and he just sent me literally right before I, ho- I hopped in here um, uh, his uh, pitch for a whole new series that he wants to do. And um, it's fun to watch, man. He's he's it's that moment of where creativity as commerce to creativity as a habit. Yeah. And uh, I think he, it's it's a mental shift for him. And I, I love just being able to bring to bear what I can do to help that, which is the marketing side of things, you know, all that sort of fun stuff, you know. Um, I've been reading contracts, you know, uh, and, 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 and helping write agency agreements for 15, 16 years. So uh, if I can help him do that and then, you know, but do that from as almost like an artist's, you know, representation standpoint, because I believe in his work and I believe in him. Then uh, that's kind of you know using your powers for good, if you Absolutely. will. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, what, what a unique success! That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that's a fun one. We need to see that one produced. Now, if we can get, uh, I think the next thing we'd love to see is um, we're exploring the the realm of animation and all those different pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's ultimate where ultimately where he would want to go with it. But that's a whole other world, a whole other place. Yeah. It's like that's like another planet we have to discover. And, sure. and figuring out the publishing industry was a whole other planet we had to to unlock and hmm. but he had been trying for that that period of time so i mean he knew uh the lanes that he had to traverse well now that door's open it is you know i mean that's that's something that i when i've talked to folks who have published a lot of times it's just default 
closed door until you get that one tiny foothold, and then it's a lot easier. Yeah. So that's really cool, man. Yeah, I will, we'll we'll see where it goes. So uh, get talk to me again in a you know uh, six months, and hopefully when we uh, I actually have physical books now, I have the the some of the samples, and that's the most exciting thing. I mean, it's cool to hold it in your hand, but the coolest thing is just to see the expression on Jason's face the first time he held it, and he goes, "I said, yeah, that's your it's book, baby." Yeah. <laughs> You know that has an ISBN identification number in there. It means library you can be Congress here. you can be found in the Library of Congress. He goes, that's the coolest <laughs> thing ever, and he like totally geeked out about that for about two days. He goes, I'm going to be in the Library of Congress. So yeah, man, it's it's yeah. a huge win. And you didn't have to sneak the book in there and put it on the shelf yourself. <laughs> he goes, I know. I uh, love it. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, that what a great story. I mean, I, it's obvious, John, that you are a. You are clearly a, a huge fan of Casey and a Casey evangelist. So I always like to ask people a couple different ways. The first one, what type of uh, uh, causes or charities do mm-hmm. you feel maybe need to get a little bit more word out there in Kansas City or just are some of your favorites that we've got here? You know, I think for me it has it centers on um, there are voices that are being heard here in Kansas City, and I think they do. Uh, their best to promote themselves. I think it's the voices that aren't heard uh, and, and finding ways to, to uh, amplify those as well. You know, you touched on it earlier talking about that, um, that racial divide here in Kansas mm-hmm. City and that dividing line of truce, and it is still very much uh, alive and well. And when you look at the history of Kansas City, you realize that truce wasn't always like that. And it has a wonderful history. And a very vibrant history that now is um, mostly known for as the you know the right side wrong side of the tracks, if you right. will. And um, so there's uh, there's some wonderful organizations that are down on truce, and um, I'm a big believer in, in spending some time down there. Um, Reconciliation Services is sitting there right across from Operation Breakthrough, um, and I got to know them um, through my church community here in Kansas City. There's a uh, there's a parish that's right down there at 31st and Truce. But as a, an offshoot of that parish, uh, they created Reconciliation Services. That does a lot of work to help uh, the homeless uh, 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 population that's around that area. They do everything from you know um, emergency services to um, uh, social work, casework down there um and then they have the the food pantry um and um friday meals uh and doing a lot of that so through my church we spend a lot of time down there and i've gotten to know uh the former executive director of reconciliation services a wonderful gentleman by the name of father paisius who's who's no longer there he's moved on to another another effort but uh, father justin who's kind of picked up his uh, his work and uh you know, here's an interesting example of the work they do, right? They get a lot of folks in there who don't, who have been homeless or spent time on the streets who don't have an ID. They literally have no identification. Um, a Missouri-issued, government-issued ID. Nothing at all. And if you think about how many things you need that for, you can't go into a, let's say you want to go visit somebody that is in the hospital and sick. You can't get into a hospital and pass through security without an ID. Let's wow. say you need to go get, you know, prescription drugs or go you know, something along those Good lines. Luck with that. You need an ID. If you want to go register to vote, if you want to register for some of the other social services that are out there, 
you need an ID. The, if and anybody has spent any time on the street, the last thing they're going to have in their back pocket is a social security card right. or a birth certificate. So they've gotten so good at this sort of stuff that they have figured out that the cost for them to help somebody find a, uh, to, to regain their, uh, a, a government issued ID is about $12.50. That's it? $10 for the fees um, and about two fifty to cover off the casework. If they were a Missouri resident, yeah, usually takes under an hour. If they're outside of the state, could take a number of hours. Sure. But they can usually get connected, get the documentation in place, and usually get a government-issued ID for them in short order in and terms of the, the human part. That's a huge first step. To, uh, I mean, like you said, you you can't prove that anything right. nowadays. Uh, if there's a, a service that will help you up from where you're at. Right. Wow. Apply for food stamps, any of those different things, any assistance. They've gotten so good at that a lot of other organizations here in town now refer them, refer people to them. That's wonderful. I mean, that's, I never, never had a clue. And so Father Justin's, you know, he's working through this stuff. They have a, a incredible campaign that's going on right now to, to do that. And it's one of those things. He calls me up and says, what else can we be doing to get the word out? I know you do this digital stuff. And, and Father Justin is no slough on his own. He's very good with with social media and understanding technology. But what else could we be doing? And, you know, that's the easiest phone call to answer. It's like, yeah, let's sit down. Let's come up with some things. Let's let's talk about this and how we can, uh, you know, figure out uh, ways to make this work. And, again, that is bringing uh, uh, people back into into literally almost in a way bringing them back into the the fold and existence you know well, you're you're outside of society yeah you know it's it's one thing to be on the streets and be homeless but if you can't you know you can't get a job mm-hmm. other than day labor mm-hmm. you know that someone's paying under the table and that's not going to lead anywhere it's not a, it's to not, change your life it's well i mean you. yeah and it's not going to help out with like if what if you have kids and you yeah. know all the other things so there's that aspect. That's an extreme example. And then other things that reconciliation services do, you know, oh. with the idea of um, having a, an internet cafe for people to come in, get online, do what they need to do. You yeah. know, only other folks, place that does stuff like that is the you know, public library system here in Kansas City. Um, so you start looking at then the digital divide and all these different things, you know, that all the wonderful things that are happening in Kansas City, but are still aren't available to people who are living in poverty or maybe just, you know, just above the poverty line, which happens to be that, that area. geographic area of Kansas City. It's a big passion point for me. It's not a crusader thing. It's the idea that we all should be benefiting from what's going on. And I think it's a, I think it's a, a shame that if we don't make sure that, everybody's uh, 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 you know all the boats are rising then we're not doing this the right way then why we do it going back then it's not yeah. sustainable exactly then it becomes an, oh that 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 great it's run a, we had it's <laughs> a haves haves nots yeah and it's not it doesn't become part of the whole city right and that's I think that's the thing that we have to be very cognizant of that all these efforts can be very temporary if they only hit on a certain you know, demographic. Yeah. I appreciate benefit. you bringing that one up. I would have never known about them. Father what? Justin's an amazing person. I, you know, maybe future podcasts. Be He'd great. be somebody yeah. to definitely sit down with and talk to. Um, he has a wonderful background, and um, he's raising his family uh, uh, down there too. So he's got two. Uh, he's got. He's got. He's got young boys, and his wife are down there. He's he's a good man, and uh, definitely somebody who would uh, deserve to uh, have his voice heard. Wonderful. 
yeah. appreciate that suggestion. That's yeah. great. Well, that's a that's an amazing one to know about, and I, I hope people do check them out and support them through this. Um, I'm also curious to know, folks that are are lovers of KC. I like to ask, and this could be anything. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you, what are your hidden gems? Here in town, I mean, it could be a restaurant, a bar, a church, a park, whatever. And yeah, yeah we find a lot of people is like, I don't know that it's hidden, and if it is hidden, I'm not sure I want to tell everybody. About it. <laughs> I had this so. conversation the other day. Oh, it's so funny. You know, I love all the neighborhoods and the diversity of neighborhoods in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Are awesome, and there's some great places. I I'm a huge fan of the River Market and just being yeah. around the River Market, all the restaurants and. It's one of those places in Kansas City has that kind of old neighborhood feel. Going back to like when I'd go back mm-hmm. to Chicago for the summer, mom and dad okay. would send me back to Chicago. I remember walking around their neighborhood, which was um, it was uh, Ukrainian Village, uh, Wicker Park, um, West Village, um, parts of Chicago, which back then weren't nearly as um, as nice as they are now. But I've also lost a little bit of the flavor that they had back mm-hmm. then. The River Market reminds me of, of that old neighborhood feel. Well, one of the things that I've heard several times is we, we have a challenge of not having a real walkable city, neighborhood-wise. We right. have a few, but there are very few areas where you've got you know that corner store uh, around from your apartment or a few cafes and things like that. River Market's got that. They've preserved it and built, it up, built up on it a little bit more. Well, I think with the, the streetcar, that being the northern yeah. part of the streetcars helped out with that. Um, but, I mean, here's the other part about it, too. The walkable space is cool, and uh, the livable space is cool. And you actually have the farmer's market down there, so you actually have a little bit of the, you know, the almost all the pieces you need to have a really kind of, you know, workable, urban living experience, Right. And then you walk into some of these places, like my, one of my favorite places, Key Coffee and Il Lazarone, the pizza place that's mm-hmm. up there on Delaware. Yeah. Um, you know, you go into Key Coffee and you see the owner there, Corey. Corey's an amazing guy, you know? And, uh, you know, he's been doing what he's been doing for a few years now. And um, to walk in there and say, how's business? How are things going? What are you up to? Oh, you're, re- you're renovating the back. Oh, that's great. You know, what else is going on? You know, and get to know him. Um, or to talk to Eric at Il Lazarone, you know, who's, you know, came down from St. Joe and that was his first foray into, into Kansas City's restaurant scene and get to know him. So it becomes a very personal experience and you're pulling for those guys. Yeah. You know, um, it's not just a, a storefront. It's, uh, well, like I said, it's Corey, it's Eric, it's all those, those cats. And I think the River Market has a lot of those stories. And I think there's a lot of that going around in Kansas City. But for me, that's one of those places I love going. I don't think it's as much of a hidden gem as much as just a, a place I like to be. Cool. Hidden gems? I'll, 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 <laughs> there's it's a, hard sometimes. It is. Uh, I love going over to, you know, my quest for authentic Mexican food in Kansas City is never uh, ending. So I will always say that if you go down into KCK, uh, there's a awesome wood-fired grilled chicken place called El Pollo Rey. I've seen them. They're right off of Kansas a little while. Oh, it's amazing. Right? There's three things on the menu. Half chicken, whole chicken, and buffalo wings. And as far as I'm concerned, nobody really ever orders the buffalo wings. <laughs> and then they get their tortillas across the way from the San Antonio market. So mm-hmm. the, they're made right there. That's also another place. Excellent. That neighborhood it reminds me again, it goes back to, to my parents' neighborhood in, in Chicago. Um, and the coolest thing about that, you can tell it's family run. You know, and it's authentic, 
And the coolest thing is when you walk into El Pollo Rey for lunch hour, you'll see guys who are wearing, you know, the highway construction gear. You'll see police officers. And you'll see guys who um, have their suit, you know, their, their button-down shirts, their, their suit jackets are in the car, and they're desperately trying not to get stuff on their tie. <laughs> it's so funny to watch. And you see this this cool mix of, of, of people in there. And to me, that. That, we, that's, that's we neighborhood. We need as much of that as we can get. It's neighborhood, you know? Yeah. And uh, I love those places, so uh, I, I'll 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 never keep them secret. I'd love to see them blow up. I just I don't I just want to make sure I can get in you know get in during lunch. That's the only thing. <laughs> to get you have a chicken. That's right. That's right. Well, that's fair. Well, those are great tips. I love that one, man. Yeah, those are fun places. Man. Very good. Well, John, I really really appreciate you taking so much time out of your day, um, just giving us a, a an introspection into somebody else interesting in Kansas City, man, and what you guys are doing here and. All kinds of stuff. So thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. That's been a ton of fun. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Casey Greats. As always... I encourage you to look up the show notes and check out the links for the people and organizations that John mentioned during our conversation. If it's a part of Kansas City that you haven't experienced before, take a chance and check it out. Support the people and places that make our city great. If you did enjoy this week's show, please let somebody know about it. Share this episode on Twitter or Facebook, or you can even write a review on iTunes. Don't forget, you can always let me know about people that you think the city should know about at scott at caseygrades.com. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.